I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repeticulture Network. Hello. Hello. I was playing around with some new new settings. I heard. I apologize. Six months until Daytona. Oh man, he's right. Wait. Love it. Is it? I think it is. Something like that. Either way, it's not here soon enough. Right. Uh, can you can't hear my music playing, right? No, I cannot. Okay, <clears throat> very good. Uh, what is going on? This is episode one hundred and eight of Snakes and Stogies, which is brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons. You can't see their logo on the shirt because the camera's lower, and I'm still changing things, but up in the top corner here, you can see their logo, and that's what you need to go find on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, and then blackboxcages.com, Jen and, and the gang, very awesome people, please check them out if you need a awesome cage, an awesome rack that not only serves its purpose in terms of holding temperatures and humidity really well, but also looks very sharp, very clean. But also extremely sturdy with build quality because they use that half inch PVC, not the not the thin stuff. Uh, please hit them up and uh, order you a a new rack and cage. Jake and I will be going up and getting our next order here soon. Waiting on some tubs to come in, and then we will most definitely be doing a video on setting all that stuff up and sort of official reviews and whatnot. So. Yes. Uh, yeah, I made the mistake of, you know, putting my order in because now I'm chomping at the bit and I'm waiting. <laughs> and I'm being patient, but it's frustrating because the craft, you can't rush craftsmanship. That's right. Well, I mean, even in that regard, their lead time is still way better than, than a lot of other people in the industry. Um, so you're not going to be waiting nine months plus for your, your order. You know, you... With black box, you can have many more kids in the time uh, that it would take for you to get your order from said other people. So that's a hell of a way to gauge if that time. Makes any sense? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Best lead time in the industry, Christopher Sexton says. Mister Chris at Heli Guy Serpents, check him out too. He's a good dude. Uh, and then, so we have a Patreon as well. I don't throw it out there a whole lot, but it does exist. And I added, so what I'm doing now with the little five questions with series that we're doing for YouTube, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get access to that like way early. So the one I did with Lucas Lee that is going to be coming out publicly on Wednesday is available for you to watch on our Patreon now. Uh, and then I have one with Corey Martin that I have to edit and put up, but Patreon people will get that early as well. Minimum of a dollar a month. And you get access to this kind of stuff. We have other tiers if you're feeling generous. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I'm going to say about that. Helps us. Uh, otherwise, we're just happy you're here with us. We are. Yeah. That we are. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. I know, right? The diehard friends and family. 
infinite other things you could probably be doing with your time, but you're here. And that means a lot. <clears throat> very true. Very, very true. I see you're wearing a t-shirt. It must not be very cold down there right now. Nope. It is not cold at all. It is like 78 degrees and probably 100% humidity. And I've been bit three times about mosquitoes since I sat down out here. So I may leave everyone for a brief moment to get my thermocell so I don't die of scratching. Or Nile. West Nile. Now we get that Zika now. Zika oh, that's right. you smokes the, it. You have the yeah. babies with the cone heads. Thank God I can't get pregnant. I am I was setting up and I'm I need a heater. I'm not I, I usually don't mind cold weather, but it gets really annoying when it's it's raining here now and so it's like forty degrees and wet. And it's pretty miserable. And so I'm like, you know, I just need a small space heater, a little oil heater or something just to warm up, you know. Just it sucks. I want to be comfortable. You know? I get it. I get it. Well, I talked to a customer to, of mine today, and he's one of my very good clients. And he's like, oh, man, how's the weather? About? He's in uh, West Colorado. And uh, he's like, how's the weather? I was like, honestly, man, it's it's 76 and muggy. And like, I'm, I need some more cool air. Like, I need a cold front to come through. He's like, it's negative two. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm sorry. Sorry. I straight up cannot wrap my head around that temperature. Like, I don't think I've ever experienced anything below like five which i feel like once you get to a certain point in the negatives it really doesn't matter it all pretty much feels the same it just sucks well when i was like 14 or 13 i was a boy scout when i lived up in new jersey and we did a a, a camp out in the poconos in pennsylvania uh called the klondike i think it was and it was like four days up in the mountains and tent camping boy scout style you know and they would have hikes and all this stuff and me and my buddies would just stay behind around the fire and just cook, cook pork roll on like a little white yeah. gas stove <laughs> and i remember the last year that i did it before i moved to florida it was like 19 degrees with like a wind chill of like six below and i survived it man I, I, we had fun you know it was like a foot of snow on the ground and now i look back i'm like that would be great but i don't i physically don't think i could live in it i just i don't yeah, I mean, once you get to a certain super cold temperature, it all kind of feels the same, and you just lose feeling in your limbs and digits. So it doesn't matter if it's negative two or negative thirty; like it still sucks the same. It's just gonna you're gonna lose feeling in everything. But that's why I live down here and not elsewhere. I think Billy has like the perfect climate because it gets warm. It gets cold. He has seasons. Like, I don't have seasons. Just hot and less hot. Yeah. yeah. So. Mild summer and severe summer. Right? Yeah. Ugh. What so are you smoking upon this eve? Took the words out of my oh, mouth. I oh, love it. You can't have them back. Great minds think alike. I always butcher this name. Tatuaje? Yep. Tatuaje. Tatuaje. The... Capa Especial. Oh, that's probably is that one of the ones I gave you? That's one I of you freaking gave love those things. I miss those so much. We don't have those at the shop anymore. We sold out of them because I smoked a lot of them. Well, I smoke it for were, you, buddy. They were delicious little smokes. Um, I am smoking a Fumo uh, Gordo 2014 HN. This is actually a Candela. Gordo. So this, so this is a smaller company. There's a, a fella 
who was uh, originally from India, but also lives over in Australia. Sometimes he lives here in my area. Uh, so he's like, got like tri citizenship and he basically owns this, this company and this is uh, a Candela wrapper. So Candela's, which I don't think we've really talked about much. That's a <clears throat> wrapper. You really don't see a lot of in the industry. It's not terribly popular. Uh, they're typically green in color, and it's because those those leaves, unlike Maduro's, it's like the opposite, where they're just not aged very long at all. And they're still green, and so that means they have a very green, uh, grassy flavor to them, which is not terribly popular. Uh, so, I don't know. I haven't had one in a while. Some companies can pull them off, some can't. A lot of the stuff that Ron Deep produces is actually pretty strong, in my opinion. Uh, but it is very good. So I saw this yesterday. I thought this was just one of his other lines, and he took it out of the out of the cellophane. He's like, "No, man, this is a Candela." And I was like, "Holy crap, it is!" Because it is this weird sort of like greenish, but also light Connecticut brown looking deal. So at first glance, you know, you may not have noticed it. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of the candy cane twists you know they do for like, yep. yeah they do for like aesthetics and stuff uh, i have not really found one that's stuck with me yeah it's just candelas like i said because they're so grassy in flavor and stuff they are kind of a little harder to to sort of work with and they've never been terribly popular so yeah phil has been a busy podcaster this week I listened to venom the new episode of venom exchange with kyle and it was freaking awesome i listened to it all morning well, thank you, sir. And feeding stuff. So, and Mr. Keller, thank you for noticing. I appreciate that. The Fight Club episode was good too. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was a that was a hell of a lot of fun, man. Hell of a lot of fun. I feel like I it, I feel like we could have just kept going. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because talking with them too, like you know, D Justin and and Chuck are awesome, and it was an honor to be on the show, man. It really was. I had a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun. I don't know. I was when I did it. I was intimidated by Chuck for some reason. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just because I didn't really know him as well as I knew Julander and some of the other guys. But now I listen to episodes. And I'm like, man, it's Chuck. He's awesome. You know, he's awesome. Just... He really is. So yeah, cats out of the bag. Uh, I was on uh, the Reptile Fight Club talking about the pros and cons of venomous mentoring or getting mentoring from a venomous mentor. Tastes like marshmallows off the off the rip. Oh, nice. Delectable. Uh, and then the other cat is episode two of Venom Exchange Radio with myself and the one and only Nipper Reed came out this morning. So we interviewed uh, Kyle Vargas, the Clob King, and talk all things montane rattlesnakes and some European vipera species. So uh, it's a really, really good episode, man. I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy with it. And I've got some more really cool stuff in the pipeline. And it's, it, it it, it stinks because we're trying to space them out so that we're not, you know, not losing steam too quick. Uh, but it's so much cool stuff. I just want to share it with everybody, you know? Yeah, so. that's that's the problem I've had with the five questions with thing is I've been recording like a freaking madman with those because they're, you know, they only take a few minutes to record and editing takes longer than actually recording them does. And I tell myself I'm going to release them on Wednesdays but I have a very hard time actually sitting on them until Wednesday. So I was like, you know, this Patreon thing works out because then I can like, people can see it and I can feel like it's out there and then I can work on the other ones, but it's so hard not to just release them as I have them done. 
Yeah. You know, but the problem with that is, uh, you know, you kind of burn out on content fairly, which I mean, yeah. there's no shortage of people to do them with. It's just if you kind of, it works better if I just pace myself a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I was actually a little surprised uh, when I went to upload the new episode of Venom Exchange Radio. Uh, I put it on the RSS feed. Everything good. And then I, I went to go check the other platforms and nothing had appeared. And I was like, all right, well, maybe I have to individually upload this episode for whatever reason. And then literally when I clicked refresh, it was already up on Apple. It was incredibly fast. I was like, man, Apple must have been bored last night because they got my stuff on the app real quick. Yeah, and no, then, once uh, you're like, oh, once yeah. your RSS feed's connected and stuff, it's it's quick. I think it's just them verifying that it is actually legitimate and not right. you know, spam bullshit. So. Yeah. So right now it's up on Apple and Spotify. It should be on Google in the next day or so. They're taking their sweet time. So check it out. Oh my God, this thing is good. Is it delectable? Fuck yeah, dude. Oh, I gotta. Oh, I have to have a chat with Ron Deep. He's like, yo, find more of these for me. We're gonna pull that audio track of you just going, ah, ah, ah. Fumo and some Rick James in my headphones. It's good. Nice, nice. Uh, so, what's new in your world, man? Uh, Everything is out of cooling officially. I put the Loma Alta Bairds together yesterday. Um, going to put some corns together here soon. I fed the Elafe, so the Dion's and the Bimaculata today, which was pretty entertaining because like they're kind of twitchy snakes to begin with, but when they haven't been fed since November, they are tweaker level of of crazy and they like downed i just had some pinkies i just i thought out you know like four or six pinkies each for them yeah like small pinkies that's all i had was day olds or you know slightly bigger than that but they were like freaking vacuums dude they just disappeared just a it was they were methods. losing their minds yeah <laughs> it's pretty funny because i offered frog legs to them at least the the bigger the two females right. um with no luck there, so I got. I finally got after our episode with Owen. I went to Walmart the next morning, got my hands on some frog legs. You can get a two pound box at Walmart for about twenty two bucks, which actually wow. ends up being a pretty good amount of frog legs. Yeah, um, I was actually going to ask you. So they're frozen, right? Yes. How are they packaged? Are they just loose in like a plastic bag on the inside, or? So there's a big bag, and then they're all in these individual like plastic sleeves. Each leg, or like a set of legs. Like set of legs. Okay. So I cut them all in half. Mm-hmm. so you know because one leg actually ends up being about the size of like a small adult mouse okay like probably is in terms of even like density and like weight it's probably similar to yeah um, so i cut them all in half and counted out how many i needed which ended up being <clears throat> almost the entire box oh wow just because i was going to try it with everything chondros boiga like sure everything and uh uh, the Bairds, most of the Bairds, I think two of the three adult pairs ate them no problem. Nice. The Corns, all except one female ate them. And even that, she may have even eaten it. I can't remember. Uh, one of the, the female Subok took one, which I thought was nice. interesting. 
Very cool. Uh, three or four of the Chondros took one. I think yeah, the other, I saw the other that two, one picture. Yeah, the other two, I don't think they did because they're in shed cycles right now. And so they were kind of just being little bitches and kind of hissing at me to go away. Yeah. Um, and then I offered them to Jance and I, but it was at night and it was like just before lights out. And I just left them in a little like tray sort of deal in the cage and came back and left them there the next day and they didn't touch them. So those I may have to like put in front of the hole of the, the tube and shake them a little bit and get them interested. But <clears throat> of course the Boiga, you know, they all went nuts over them, which was no surprise. Uh, and then my pine snake, she ate one, you know, it's just fun to see like who's going to take it and who's not. And So then my next question is when you get them, is the foot still attached or is it cut off at the ankle? I'd have to look. I don't remember. I don't think the foot was there. Okay. And then is it still have the skin on it or no? No. Oh, so they're de-skinned. Okay. Because yeah. that was my thing is too, is I was worried that because it's an amphibian and it's so sticky, like both the meat itself is sticky and then the skin would also be kind of tacky. I was concerned that a lot of substrate would stick to it because I've got almost everything on substrate now. So I really want to do frog legs. I'm just apprehensive about how I'm going to do it. You know, yeah. I mean, I cut them in half, and yeah, they like. I definitely get some paper plates or something to put them on. You know, because I did like one of the female corns. She got a nice mouthful of substrate. Okay. I think she ended up just ingesting, but yeah. it's that paper stuff, so I think it'll pass no problem. But what, like Carefresh? Uh, not quite. It's that KT stuff I was using. That's even thinner. It's almost like okay. that leaf litter sort of deal sure. kind of stuff. It's not nearly as dense as the Carefresh. Um, yeah yeah honestly the only ones that i would the only ones i would really worry about would be like Dramarkon and the wrinkles and trying to think what else would make a mess of it um i I don't know i just and i I have them all on uh eco earth and and uh jungle mix and fluff like that so i mean a little dirt isn't gonna hurt anybody you know but like an entire like if you breaded the frog leg in dirt, it does yes yeah it, it does get like they are sticky kind of like you were talking about they are they have like a tackiness to them yeah and i just thawed them in water like i do mice and so oh i made a mistake so this is today is monday so wednesday i did a full feeding like i just i fed everything right and I try not to do that because, A, it's a, it's a lot to do, you know, when you've got a bunch of snakes. And at the same time, you know, the sink only holds so much. You're constantly trying to keep stuff warm, you know. And I didn't want to – I didn't want to just throw them in water. And the bags I had were not the good bags. And, like, you know when, like, a rat claw will, like, make a small hole and the bag will leak and you'll yeah. have a bag full of water? I didn't want to do that. So – I let them thaw in the bag and then I just waited and I put a heat emitter over top of them and I waited and I waited and I waited and I was like, this is stupid. I am wasting, like I'm doing laundry. I'm doing some stuff around the house. I ate some lunch. Like I'm trying to like do stuff while I'm waiting, but I, it wasn't worth it. So I wound up eventually I was like, this is horrible. They're going to start decomposing by the time they're frigging thawed. So I wound up just using hot water like I always do, and I just dried them off real good because I was so worried about all that substrate crap. And uh, I think I'm just going to get those. I don't have a vacuum sealer, but I'm going to get one of those really thick vacuum seal box bags and just use them for thawing because it's 
it's becoming annoying to me. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there was a question earlier real quick too. Do we lap and shed fangs like vipers do? They do, but it's usually in the feces and it's not as noticeable as say a large viperid because they are so small and stubby that it may just look like a piece of urate and without you picking apart the actual scat the odds of you finding one are, are very very slim um there's cases where you know a mamba or a cobra bit the, the rubber end of a hook and like the fang got stuck in it and i know guys get fangs that way um and obviously i'm not telling people to do that it's this is a a a unique scenario where it happened to have done it you know maybe they were trying to pin it maybe you know, the hook was leaning against the, a different hook was leaning against the cage and the cobra came out and whacked the handle of the hook because it smelled like one thing or another who knows but but yeah they do shed them just not noticeably or as frequently as the viperids i noticed my chondros man like i'll see a lot of shed teeth in the in the, in the stool yes yeah which is kind of crazy given how long and sharp they are. It's like that seems like it would be a little painful going down. But Yeah, and I always found that interesting how they digest all the bone of the prey item. Right. But their teeth stay behind. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And, uh, that uh, makes me wonder if it's like a doubling down effect because you have, you know, the acids in the stomach of the prey item and then their acids too. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Like it's a different density and something I, I don't know yeah 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 but i've got a i've got a fair bit of bitis fangs and crotalus fangs and i think i have i have one or two cobra fangs they're super tiny and it was one of those things where you know you're you're sifting you're spot cleaning a cage and you see that little glimmer of white and you take a second glance at it and you're like oh wow that's a tooth look at that you know mm-hmm. um and these are from big cobras big you know anilifera and uh, large, you know, Indians, stuff that's got some size to it. Um, but yes, they, they do shed their fangs, just not as frequently. I think it also has something to do with vipers and rattlesnakes having the retractable fangs. Right. You know, that hinging point is designed to break part. off. Right. It's designed to pop off like a shark um, because, you know, especially with crotalids, they bite the prey item, the prey item, they let go, the prey item hauls ass and runs away. Well, they don't want to be stuck on it. They don't want to be tethered to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't extract appropriately, then it would just pop off, break off, stay in the prey item. They're going to get it back anyway, you know, in theory. Yeah. So. And uh, Lance Kirkman says that Venom Exchange Radio is up on Google Podcasts. So my mistake, go check it out. Thank you, Lance. Always on point. Always on point. We got to get him on again, man. I like that guy a lot. I'm sorry to talk about him like he's not here with us. <laughs> the uh, Jake and I are considering doing button quail with the feeders. An excellent choice. I saw I saw I looked up some videos on YouTube on how people are keeping them and stuff. And people are keeping small groups of them in like 40 gallon breeders. Yeah, it's, man. It's weird to see people keeping birds in an aquarium like that. But yeah. They're doing it. Working. So me and Jake yeah. are contemplating whether we should get some eggs and hatch them and then raise up group and sort of see what we can do with them. They're just birds are so just messy, man. That's the only issue. They are. And the fumes, man. The fumes is what gets me. But I mean, they're also 
for issues like we have now with production and mice, that's the reason I got the frog legs and I want to try like tilapia and some other stuff is like for times when production is an issue with mice like we currently have. Sure. I have something like button quail where they hatch in like 16 days. You know, they're they're They grow to uh, maturity in like six weeks. Yeah. Something that produces and, and has a fast turnover. Um, so, yeah. It's that button quail have zero defense against any predator here. I unfortunately know from experience they're a raccoon crack, which I believe it. Um, they would be, if I did them, they would be in the, in the barn with the mice. I think Gendra actually talked about, they did some, I don't know if it was button quail or something else, but they did them in a rack. Um, I just, <clears throat> my biggest thing is like ventilation, uh, chicken hearts. You know, I wish I could find those here locally. We have an Asian grocery store, but they're never open for whatever reason. Um, I think well, you have Publix, mom. right? mob front yeah no i've looked at every grocery store here really because every Publix by me has chicken hearts now we have a very large brazilian community in my tri-county area mm-hmm. and that's like a, a a big food with them you know it's kind of like an appetizer um so i imagine that might have something to do with it but i've never been to a Publix and not seen at least by me and not seen chicken hearts so see ish said quail produce a lot of ammonia due to their high protein content in their food which i believe um, someone asked where I get the frog legs. I got them at Walmart. If you go to like the, there's like a, at mine, at least there's this frozen freezer section. It's small, like, I don't know, 10 feet. And it's got sort of your frozen fish fillets that are bagged and stuff like that. It's in there. Um, yeah, I've looked for chicken hearts. I can find chicken livers and gizzards for days. Those are everywhere down here. Cause those are very popular here, but I don't know. There's something about feeding the filtration system of the body that kind of, yeah, exactly. There's also a lot of nutrients there. That's why stuff like killer whales and stuff eat the livers out of the great whites because that's where all the nutrients are. But yeah, uh, my Amazon loves quail and monitors like the quail eggs. Uh, Matt Hale said, might help to talk to a butcher at the grocery. Many will order for you. So we have a meat market here where I live, like a, a mom and pop meat market. And I called them and even asked, and they don't. You know. Really? Um, day old quicks and quail day old chicks and quail great choice ethnic groceries are the way to go for organ meat um has anyone in florida thought about using invasive iguana legs for bigger lizard feeders it's actually not a bad idea i know there wasn't weren't they like canning iguana and selling that i don't know we'll see here's the problem so there are federal and state laws that prohibit the sale of game meat so for example when you go to a fancy restaurant they have elk or they have whitetail or they have you know caribou or whatever it's all farmed it it, by law it has to be so if you go to your buddy's house and he says oh man look at this antelope i shot let's eat him great awesome you know he shot it it was harvested legitimately but for me to go shoot a deer and then butcher it up and then sell it to someone or sell it to a grocer or sell it to a butcher, that's illegal. Um, so for us to catch invasive iguanas and process and sell them, I don't think it is kosher. Uh, the issue with there too with feeding it, if you're using it to feed, you know, your larger snakes or whatever, there's there's the high high transmission rate with, with oh, the yeah. and stuff too. So that is something to definitely keep in mind. 
Uh, if you're going to feed those, then they need to be frozen for a couple months before you actually feed it. Yeah, and, and real frozen, not just like in your freezer frozen. Yeah. Now, I will say that, you know, Marcus and I, we've eaten them on plenty of occasions, and I can contest it legitimately is tree chicken. But <laughs> so I, like uh, legs where it's like same consistency sort of. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, when you get a good large male that isn't hormonal and you get that good thick base of the tail – it's actually really cool because when you skin it, the tail, if you if you have a if you have the, the full length of the tail and you cut it into thirds, the first third is the actual like edible meat part. Yeah. yeah. The other two thirds after that is just skin and bone. It's, and, exactly. Yeah. So uh when you do butcher it up and you dress it, um, instead of it being like a chicken wing where there's meat on one side, meat on the other, and a bone in the middle, it's almost like a plus sign and you have four pieces of meat. So it's kind of cool in that regard. We, we really don't eat the legs though so I think I'm I'm thinking of um, they used to can rattlesnake and sell that way I mean we're talking like way back like yeah 60s I think maybe even earlier than that yeah I remember people telling me that it was just full of bones like fish <laughs> you know yeah now going back to the 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 quail I think that like baby quail, either day old or, or even like three day old or week long quail. Those are one of the best starters, man. If you've got something that has size on it, like Dramarcon mm -hmm. or even even ball pythons, man, you know, a juvenile Dramarcon or a juvenile ball python is more than big enough to take a small hopper, right? And you get that movement. Now, obviously, it's difficult to get live day old or, or three day old quail, but you don't have to worry about getting them on something. A lot of times those like we use the down feathers for everything. I mean, Justin, the chondro guy, you know, oh, using yeah. the, the, yeah. the, the, the quail down is just awesome. And if we like I usually start baby Dramark on and a lot of the, the more heavier body colubrids, I'll just get Dale quail from, you know, Rodent Pro and I'll give him two or three if need be. So mm -hmm. my only I just, concern, I just figure if we're doing everything with the other feeders and stuff and we have the bedding and the space yeah. and everything, it's like, why not? have at least a small group of them and give them a shot worst sure. case it doesn't work out you know whatever you know not, not not to get graphic but how are you going to euthanize them i right now i euthanize my mice i have a I gas them okay so you yeah. basically do the same thing with the quail yeah okay from what i understand it works the same except you hear the little chirps instead of the mouse screams <laughs> i've i listen man i've i've done that more times than I care to admit, and I've never heard them scream. It's usually very brief. It's like my dad telling me that the lobsters scream when you put them in the boiling water. Yeah. Meanwhile, I find out it was him, like with his mouth inside, like a ventriloquist, going, <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. Six year old Phil, thanks a lot, dad. Scarred for life, and that's why we know that's how that's how we figured out you're you're such a sick pup. Yeah, something like that. Means a lot. No, I mean I don't enjoy euthanizing them. Fortunately, it's fast, it's quick. I'm I'm into absolutely nothing suffering for any longer than it absolutely has to. So that is truly the the fastest and easiest method. It's it's very quick, painless, just you know. Also easy to dislocate cervical vertebrae and spine and poultry. Yeah, I Yeah, but you can't do that to a day old quail, man. <laughs> you know Especially I mean? a button quail. Those things are yeah, so exactly. small. They just pop their head off on accident. Oh. Jesus. oh, this is gonna get shot down by like YouTube and Facebook and everything. 
I know, I know. <laughs> All right, on a lighter note. Whaler, oh, easy to find. Homestead groups on Facebook cheap. That's actually a really good idea. I didn't think about that. Dan says he feeds all his animals quail. At first, I was worried because I had a carpet that got the taste of chicks and never went back. But thankfully, I can now throw anything to these snakes and they will eat. And Bill said, grab a goose and swing hard. Okay. Swing away. Uh, Johnny Barrett said, most of my carpets eat a diet of mostly birds with a few rats right before they go off feed. I've noticed the ones on birds are smaller but have better muscle structure. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I like those frog legs a lot too because it's all muscle. Like there's, you know, you don't see fat on those things really at all. Can um, you tell what species the frogs are? No. Okay. I don't know. Whatever it is, they're, on there. I, I don't know if it's, it's probably some sort of bullfrog I'd imagine or something similar because it's just big and muscular. Nice. Well, it's good. Really diesel. That's good. But that's awesome because, I mean, like I said, for 22 bucks, I can get two pounds of those, and that's going to last me a while, you know, when I'm not feeding everything at once. Um, right. So to have yeah. those in the freezer and be able to have them, get them whenever I can, that's a, that's yeah. a huge thing. And I really want to try tilapia. They had a big, big-ass bag of tilapia at Walmart, like individually vacuum-sealed fillets for 12 bucks. Wow. So Wow. I really want to try that with the rhino rats. Um, I feel like the the pine snake. I could throw her pretty much anything, and she'd eat it. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things. Like we were talking about with Owen. If anybody listened to that episode, it was like experimenting with with different things and seeing what takes and what doesn't. And then just having those alternative feeders and stuff helps a lot. You know, in times of well, a you're 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 changing up the the variety of nutrients and stuff that the animals are getting. Um. You know, you are saving some money because you're not burning through rodents as fast. <clears throat> and it's just, it's convenient. You know, it's it's nice to be yeah. able to go to the store when it's like, shit, I'm out of fuzzies. Go to the store, grab some some tilapia or chicken hearts. You know, those aren't very big or some other stuff. And, you know, you can even cut them up to, to according to size of the animals. So. Yeah. And I was also thinking this too, is you said it was like 22 bucks for that thing of frog legs. Yeah. It's two pounds. Yeah. So. Two pound bucks. So how many individual legs is that ballpark? 50? Let's see. Because I'm just thinking, if you compare that, let's say the size of a frog leg is the equivalent of, like, a rat pup. Uh And you compare the price. Now, I'm not saying to completely, you know, get rid of rodents and only go on frog legs, but that would help out with the, the... the food budget you know what i mean um i think so i counted an individual legs that i ended up feeding was 28 so whatever that is okay times two because they were pairs um and then i had a couple extra i want to say i ended up thawing out maybe an extra pair or two for anything that might have taken like the if the jansen i had take taken and they could take more than one because they're bigger snakes. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot. Like, it, two pounds doesn't yeah. sound like much, but when you're talking, like, frog legs, that's actually a pretty good bit. And you can buy them wholesale online, too. Um, yeah, but, I mean, but think about Walmart, it. So, I mean, you're really not going to get much cheaper than Walmart. Anyway. And not to not to sound like a, like a cheap guy, but think about that. 40-something 40 40 something prey items for 22 bucks. Yeah. And then you compare that to Hopper's? That would at least double, at least. Dude, the week before, I spent $40 on 12 adult mice at PetSmart. 
Oh, man, you, you want to talk about painful? I think I'd message the group and said my ass hurt. Yeah. Like that was brutal. I can imagine. I just I just spent two something on feeders just now. Yeah. yeah. So once we get this breeding, you know, the mouse breeding groups back up and we have more of them in this new rack that we built, you know, that can hold easily groups of 15, no problem. Production will then ramp up and we'll be on track to, to have more steady supply of stuff. But right now it's getting to that point. And because it's colder, the mice don't seem to produce as much, you know, like the dead of winter, middle of summer. That's when production seems to kind of taper off some. Um, and it's it's frustrating because it's like I need feeders. And yeah. like today I fed like I think I thought out like 50 or 60 pinkies. Because wow. I didn't have any fuzzies, and so I was like, rhinos are getting like four to six pinkies, Dion's are getting four to six pinkies, Bimaculata are getting four to six pinkies. I fed the entire baby rack. Every yeah. one of those got like two each because they're all smaller pinks. Uh, so it's been it's been frustrating. It's been brutal. But uh, it's also one of those things where it's like, hey, it's the it's the cooler season. I can not feed stuff as much, and they can yeah, get smaller meals and less less of them. And yeah. Um, it works out. I'm not. I'm not one that feeds any. The only thing I really feed on a regular schedule is my hatchling rack, and even those are kind of starting to get to the point where it's like I can back off a little bit, and they don't. They don't need weekly meals, so I'm kind of switching them over to every other week now. Um, and then adults, especially the chondros and stuff, man, that's like kind of an any whenever I feel like it sort of deal. You know, the chondros will go a month easy without food, and yeah. they don't lose a damn gram of weight. You know, so the, the, it's the stuff like the rhinos and the Jansen and I that I, I definitely want to, I feed a little more regularly, you know, the Jansen and I in particular, because that female laid, um, and trying to sort of beef her up make sure she's getting nutrients back in her body to replenish, you know, what she, what she would have lost. Um, so it's a species to species thing, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, uh, so Johnny Barrett says, off topic a little bit, curious to know the average rate of bacteria growth on amphibian meat versus bird, fish, rodent, etc. at room temperature. I, I would imagine it would be very, very similar. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe if you left it out in the sun on a hot day, it might be different. But in terms of, you know, in your sink, in your bathroom, at room temp, I think it would be relative. I mean... What do I know? I'm not a bacteria I think you'd, expert, you'd see decay in the frog legs a lot faster because it doesn't have that protective barrier with the with the skin like the mice do. Sure, sure. I can um, see that. But I don't know. I mean, I left, like I said, I left two pairs in with the Jansen eye for a day and there wasn't any serious like smell or anything like that, which was nice. You know, with mice, it doesn't take very long. So, Casey's did check your phone. Checking it. Yeah, Dan said this is the first year that I took everything off food. It's really nice. Um, that may be something I think I'm going to start doing more each year, too, is like winter, um, like taking chondros off food entirely for, you know, a two or three month period. Um, and then the stuff that's in cooling obviously doesn't get fed, cutting back the smaller stuff. And uh, yeah. it's a good time to load up when you're mice are actually breeding which i have three litters right now thankfully but those also those still take another couple weeks to to get to size where they're producing too 
when they're not killing each other, which thankfully has been rare for me. I know a lot of other people. It's uh, it's not the case. It's re- it really is interesting to, and and again, this is purely from a curiosity and and scientific thing. I would never do this on purpose. I've n- I never have, never will. But cases where cannibalism happens because of you know the the water bowl was dry or whatever, the mice, man, rats are are, are fairly sociable. The mice are just savages, man. They're the first ones to go there's, cannibal. Yeah, but there's something, something's. There's a sweet spot, I think, with those where you don't seem to have the problems that a lot of other people do. Like the only time I have cannibalism is when I have an issue with my reservoir and like one of the one of the lines gets clogged or something. That's when I notice I have problems. But as far as like moms eating babies, that's pre- that's pretty rare. Like I haven't had that issue in a in a while. Um, and I think a lot of that is like. My theory is, and I've, I've been wanting to look up papers on mice and the social structures of them and stuff like that, um, making the environment stress-free, like sure. making sure they're not stressed, keeping the same groups together long-term, like not changing up males and females and stuff. Yeah. Plenty of food. So they have grasses. They have. I started feeding Honey Nut Cheerios. They freaking love those. Um, the fruit and nut mixes that we've been giving them. And then because we don't have access to FRM anymore because our local uh, feed store we were getting it from down in Georgia stopped carrying it. We've switched over to like a high quality dog food that's zero grain and it's like salmon, the salmon blend. So it's high in fish, has all the vitamins and stuff. And then regular access to water. I think all those things and, and there's not a lot of stuff happening in that barn either to where there's like constant worry of, of predators being around and you know right. the babies i take the whole clump of babies when i clean them and put them in a new tub i almost take out that entire nest that they build with that grass and put it in there so the scent's all there you know i do everything i can to make it a very easy transition and and then making sure they're just super well fed super hydrated i think is a very big part in in that yeah uh, yeah i think that, I that is a key factor because <clears throat> i mean the times that i've seen it it's it's one of those things where you know the 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 water hose line the the bracket came loose and the, the hose came out and they haven't had water in a few hours. And yeah, man, it just goes, it's almost like, again, I don't want to get too graphic, but it's, Oh, it's almost as if what's that bill said. There's definitely a strain of rat that tends to be, uh, tends to cannibalism. They're used, uh, in high in blood pressure studies specifically was a major issue when I was in college. Very interesting. So, you know, the water line goes and you'll notice them almost gang up on one mouse. And yeah, it's almost as if they're drinking their saliva. Yep. And then it's somebody bites a lip and there's a drop of blood and all of a sudden it's a feeding frenzy. Yeah. I think they it's, it's with hydration in particular, like it's almost, it's literally like a bloodthirst. Yeah. Like, there's no water. Guess what? Bob's over here. He's the weakest one of the bunch. Yep. Um, we're thirsty. Now we're going to turn into little vampires. Le- legitimately. So, But even then, so I've had some where I had cannibalism happen. And I know with females that eat the babies, a lot of people will just call that entire group because you don't know who specifically did it and like, who's the problem. Sure. But I've kept those mice together after they've eaten one of their own and haven't had that issue again. Yeah. And I've even introduced, you know, if it was two females and a male or three females and a male and it ends up being the male that that goes, I'll put another male in there and I don't seem to have any issues. 
Well, so I think it's also you think it's not necessarily a social thing. It's more of a like uh, nutrients, water, nutrients kind of deal. That's literally what I was going to say. Is we we see that a lot with reptiles where you'll have uh, a mothering species, but like for example, Epicrates. There's been plenty of cases of Epicrates and even genus Boa where mom, you know, eats her slugs or eats her, you know, stillborns and then also eats one or two good, healthy babies because she is weak and tired and needed it. You know, that's why mom has 15 or 20 of them or however many she has, you know. So, well, that I mean, it's it's also maybe some sort of biologically ingrained behavior of like these are no good. But they yeah. have a ton of nutrients. Yeah, it could be. It's an easy meal that doesn't have to run up and it's not going to run away that I don't have to right. Uh, right. You know, hold down and kill. I don't know. But I have I have noticed that. I think it's like rainbow boas seem to be a big one in that and regular boas. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Did you send the link to Casey? Casey Cannon. He's going to come on here and say something outlandish. Talking smack about the forefathers of her pediculture again. Honestly, I, I think it had something to do with our rodent conversation. Because, I'm sure it did. Yeah, because Casey has become the rodent aficionado of the Southeast. So, The rodent master of Canova. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've been fortunate because I hear that a lot. Everyone talks about, man, I can't keep, you know, I can't get mice to breed. I can't, rats are a million times easier. And I've just, you know, in the couple, like two years or so that I've been doing the mice, I think I've noticed social structure matters and then regular, like keep making sure they have food and stuff available constantly in some form or another is the big thing. Yeah. Because social groups, so what I do is like, once once I have a litter that's that's off to mom and they're all, you know, they're hoppers more or less, you know, they've they've grown to the point to where they're eating on their own. They don't need mom. I put them in a grow up bin. Right. And we're talking, you know, if a litter's like 15 babies, but I have another litter that's at the same point from a separate group. I'll put those two groups of 15 together. And I think that that. Because it's the numbers are close to equal. Any of that social, like territorial stuff, gets gets nixed because the groups are now so like they're they're big enough to where there's there's not one group ganging up on the other, right? And right. so I'll grow right. them up like that together once they hit adult size, and then I'll separate them into adult groups again. You know, three males and a or three females and a male, um, three females, two males. Uh, that's something else that we were oh, were we talking to Rob or someone. I heard something recently where they were talking about how if you have you don't seem to have issues with males fighting if you have like three of them together in a group. Interesting. Because that dominance thing, because there's two other males that are now competing instead of one dominating the other, there's now a third, third wheel in there that it sort of, it stops that behavior from, from becoming sort of a, a, a thing. Very interesting. So, but like I said, I've been meaning to look up papers on, on just mice and social hierarchies and you know whatever else there might be to them that i don't know and <clears throat> i am like the dr philomice man i find that fascinating just just uh 
being able to do mice and and do them without any issues and trying to figure out exactly what it is that like what's the secret sauce to to making them not kill each other is kind of important. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Uh, and then Matt Hale said, at what size collection do you think it makes financial sense to produce your own rodents? Um, whatever number I'm at now. Well, I, I was even going to say, <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter how many reptiles you have in the collection. If you have the ability or the space or just the capabilities to breed your own prey, I mean, it, it can't hurt to, to do it. And you know what? If you realize that your freezer's full up, you can you can call the adults and start from scratch later start from fresh later on you know so i mean if i had the space and ability to do it i most definitely would and i i hate rodents i i can't deal with the smell and i'm not a mammal guy at all i mean i love my dog and i like cats and stuff and i like mammals but to have to do rodents every single day to make sure that everything is tip top uh it's definitely not for me um but yeah, I, if I had the ability to do it, I, I probably would. See, I do it because, I mean, really, it's not a daily thing for me. Like I, me and Jake clean them on Sundays, and then I go by on Wednesday mornings on my way to work and make sure everything's topped off as far as food and water, and make sure there's no issues in any of the tubs or anything like that. How often does your really, dad go in there? He doesn't. Oh, okay. Like it's literally Wednesdays and Sundays are the two days they get attention um but the nice thing is too is like if you even if you have a smaller collection you know you can buy like two of these these are what i use for grow out bins for some of my hoppers until they hit to the adult size and then they get split up into their their breeding groups right um this is made for rats but i've been able to keep you know 25 plus hoppers in one of these things with no issues with about you know two inches of bedding in the bottom to keep it from getting super gross um, you don't have to worry about them squeezing out through any of the bars or anything like that, which is another issue I've yet to have with, with tiny mice, uh, squeezing out of the, you know, the, the hardware, the hardware fabric or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, so these for, you know, a two pack for a hundred bucks, they're, they're really solid and you just have to buy the water bottles which are also nice because they're they're not the kind that has the like the ball in it they're they use the natural polarity of the water molecules to stay in the stem um so just some of those and then you know it's just a, a either ideally some sort of rodent block i prefer that frm stuff over the missouri uh and then either that or just a you know a really nice high quality dog food not that old roy bullshit uh and I think with that, you know, even if you got a couple of those, let me go back to them. They do a couple of different sizes, but if you got a couple of these, I think you could, if you have a garage or something and you have a way of, of keeping the smell down, which is another issue I really don't have because I'm cleaning them regularly. Uh, you can get a group, you know, a pack of a, two of these, four of these, whatever, and have a decent size little, little uh, production going on. You know, and it, it's the nice thing is, is you get to dictate what goes into the animals. Uh, I give mine some combination of like Timothy Hay. Uh, there's a Royal Wing bird seed blend that has like fruits and nuts in it that we give them. Um, you can buy the big bricks of like mealworm, Rice Krispie sort of things. Uh, they'll go crazy on that. 
sweet potato. I'll give him some of that periodically, especially now that it's colder. I've been me and Corey Martin. We're just talking about this on the little five questions thing. I just recorded with her before this, uh, when it's cold like this, I try to make sure they have plenty of sort of fatty and, and high carb foods just to make sure they're, they're keeping some fat on them to, to have, uh, cause they're burning more calories now that it's colder to stay warm and all that good stuff. Uh, but really, I mean, me and Jake, we have two racks that have four tubs each and they're small cat litter pans. And, uh, those hold an adult group of, of four or five mice, no problem, but we've switched over to this bigger rack that isn't full, doesn't have anything in it yet, but it's got the big concrete tubs and that'll hold a huge group of mice. So nice yeah and I, I like the the multiple tub thing with the aluminum tops because yeah i've done so many rodents in the smaller horse troughs and like pig troughs and the cleaning is just so much more yeah. taxing when yeah. you can't bring it up to you you know what i mean yeah no i love these because so you put the like there's a section here it's it's got a little little divider you have your water bottles on one side and then there's like a v-shaped dip and that's where you put your food and you know so i'll put the food and i'll put a line of of the the seed blend right here uh under that like in front of it and then in the back end over here is where i'll put a nice big pad of of grass like a ton of it especially in winter because once again it's cold and i want them to have you know good nest building materials so they can stay warm and i don't have to worry about hypothermia and losing any of them Sure. Um, and these have worked great. Like, I love them. You know, there was a point in time where me and Jake were contemplating just getting a bunch of these instead of doing the, you know, building a rack because both of us suck at building stuff. Fortunately, my dad's an engineer, so that solves that problem. He helped me with the last one. Um, and these are these are great. I love these things. You know, I don't I've never had any issues with these getting like bent up and my you know mice escaping or anything like that. Um, they're worth every penny. You know, I'd gladly buy more of them for a 100 bucks. No problem. I think the only issue here is, uh, you know, reptile basics and their their uh, inventory. Uh, what's the damn word? Uh, keeping them in stock, you know, all that good stuff. And you don't even have to do the water bottles necessarily. You can set up one of the reservoir systems. You know, they have all the stuff here to, to build a reservoir system, you know, the lines and the, the buckets themselves and clips for that and tubing. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Reptile Basics always for the win. Some Most of the time for the win. Sometimes not for the win. But I will say, make sure if you do end up doing like the watering system that has these valves, make sure that like every week I now check these to make sure water is coming through them because you won't notice that there's an issue with your lines or something until it's too late. And sometimes the little bastards will take bedding and stick them up in this between this little nipple here and leave it basically open. And then you'll have a flooded tub and a bunch of dead mice, which is it's a pretty gross combination. Yeah, I'll also say, too, is be mindful of the tubing and the hosing that you use for the reservoir system, because uh, we've had several friends in certain climates where wild rodents will chew through the lines to get to the moisture. <clears throat> um, Fortunately, and, that hasn't been a problem for me. And there have been like I have had rats in that barn doing their thing because they've torn into some food and stuff prior, but never an issue with the watering. Thankfully. 
Yeah. The only issue, well, it's not even an issue, but the one thing that I do find, like the one intruder that I do see when the warmer months come on the rack is yellow rat snakes love to hang out and sit on top of those racks, staring <laughs> at the mice, knowing they won't be able to get to them, but they can at least see them and smell them. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, let's see. It looks like there was a lot of questions and stuff. Um, so as far as like what size collection, does it make financial sense to produce your own? I guess that's kind of up to you. I I like being able to produce my own feeders because I like having full control over what they're eating. I know like the quality of them. You know, a lot of these big suppliers of frozen rodents and stuff, you don't really get to see how they're being kept. You don't know the conditions they're being kept in. You know, Rob Stone, very wise words of wisdom he gave me were love your feeders treat them just as well as you do your your animals because i mean you think about it they're they're kind of being bred to die so you better give them the best life possible until that day comes <clears throat> and i think it does make a difference so uh jen asked that's really interesting how many litters do you have to have to notice these patterns um i've had countless so far and it, I really haven't had any issues, but um, he said, I had tunnel vision. I didn't think about ramping up slash down production. I was thinking all or nothing. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, the nice thing is you don't have to go all in. You don't have to have a full fledged, you know, 10 rack setup. You can have just a simple rack and and make your own. And then Bill said he has a homemade rat rack pictures that he messaged. I don't know if he messaged you or he messaged me. Oh, we measured the group. My search. You're muted, Phil, in case you didn't know. Yes. Did you hear anything I was saying? Nope. Okay. No, I was saying is I was pulling these up. I was just waiting for you to finish your segment so that I can show. I didn't want to overlap your, if you were still showing stuff on the screen. So here is Bill's homemade rack with his feeders. And, uh, that looks solid, man. That looks real solid. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're good at building stuff, it's really like they're very easy to do. I just know that if I had me and Jake had tried to attempt it ourselves, we would be have a severely jacked up rack. <laughs> <laughs> it also helps if you build them like upside down to get your spacing right and stuff between the the tub itself and that top, but also between oh, tubs, yeah. like between. I didn't units. Even think of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's that that reptile basics. Mm -hmm. Well, the nice thing is too, and they sell the the square buckets, which are perfect because it's flat sided. With the round buckets, it's a little harder. Uh, you have to add, I think, an extra gasket or two to to fully because you get that you know you have that rounded edge, so you yeah, don't the have curvature. to flush. Yep. Um, so that is the nice thing is they sell those flat buckets, which make it a lot easier. Yeah, do you remember they used to sell these dripper spigots that you would basically you would you would drill a small hole into some kind of retaining vessel and then you would hand thread in these little they were blue I think they were black they're a little spigot and they had a little tiny little nozzle on it and it was for a dripper. So if you had chameleons yeah. or geckos and you could literally put it on top of the vivarium and just let it drip and I know uh, a lot of people have used that type on a circular bucket mm -hmm. 
because the stem goes in so deep and you don't have it's not as bad you know what i mean yeah. and i did notice when i had issues with my reservoir it wasn't even necessarily the lines i had issues with it was at the at the uh that valve coming out of the bucket that got gunked up uh, okay so, um, Scott said we run 15 females to two male mice and I have two female, one male rats and we have excellent success. Breeder, breeders are only allowed to hit two years before being called. So yeah, Matt most and them and talking to him, I think he, he lets his get to about six months old, you know, at adulthood and breeding before he swaps them out. Um, and they get carpet pythons hanging around their feeders. Of course. Must be nice. Uh, and another good good frame of context from from Jeff and Gendra at Puget Sound Pythons. It would cost us twelve hundred a month to feed our collection. Breeding our own has saved us so much money, and we know exactly what our feeders are eating. Wow. Matt said, "Totally appreciate the nutrition aspect. I feed all my feeders feeder bugs, fresh veggies, and the occasional animal protein." Um, which Kyle was talking about that in that episode yeah. of Exchange Radio. Like he fed, he was feeding his mice lizards. Yeah, like they will eat proteins like they will eat you know obviously they'll eat each other so what's to say they'll they won't eat you know something sure and and honestly if anybody wants to get more ideas uh the episode that we did with kyle on herpetoculture podcast yes he talked a lot about what he does specifically for his feeders so and he wrote an article for one of the issues that is on the website and i wrote an article on feeder nutrition and what we do on the website as well which was also sort of inspired by kyle uh you know, so it does take a lot of time, but it's worth it, says says Gendra. Um, it really doesn't. I mean, for me, like I said, it doesn't. I'm spending. It takes me maybe an hour to clean all my all my tubs, all eight tubs on the weekends. And if Jake's there, it takes even less. I feel bad because he drives like 45 minutes and we're done in like 20 minutes. Yeah, um, it gives you time to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. He comes over a little bit and we'll smoke a cigar or something, but. Yeah, so where that comes out into that tube, that's where I had the uh, the clog in mine. But mine also connects to like a, a main valve that you that I unscrew from the from the main line that goes to the tubs. And so I just took my hose and used the jet setting and just you know pressure washed that gunk out of there, and it opened it right back up. Yeah, it's fantastic. And look how simplistic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, we just get our bedding from Tractor Supply Company. Um, you know, a, a big brick of pine is like less than $7, and that usually lasts us probably two weeks. Um, you know, grasses you get from Tractor Supply as well. You can get a bigger bag of those for 8 bucks. You can get the, the really big bag at Walmart of Timothy Hay for 14 um, the Royal wing bird seed usually lasts us about two weeks for the like five pound bag. And that's about 10 bucks. Um, the dog food we're feeding is about 15. So that, that's a good point. I, I didn't even think of that. How much money are you putting in monthly opposed to what you would have paid for in purchased rodents and again you can't compare the two because the benefits of you doing it yourself is leaps and bounds more Mm -hmm. than just buying rodents frozen but is it is it cost efficient at that point i think so 
I mean, okay. given the current cost of rodents and you hearing people talking about, you know, I placed an $800 order and that's going to last me, you know, six months. Right. I think it's well worth it. I mean, yeah. even if it ends up being about the same, you're not dropping all that money at once. Um, yeah, it, and it, you're getting better product because you're yes. cultivating yourself, you know. Uh, you know, Jeff and Kendra, we make our own foraging mix, which definitely helped our production. Um, you know, honey nut Cheerios, like I've started feeding those. It's good for cholesterol. It's, it's a little sweet, which mice, just like people love sugary stuff. Um, oh my God. Is that. What's up guys. Is that, is that uh, what's his name from Apple? I was going to say he, he looks like Archer. He does. <laughs> He has the, the tactical turtleneck. Yeah. The tactile neck. Organize these by, by color, but they're all black. Yes, but is one black or is one an even darker black? Yeah, you guys like it? Steve Jobs. Yeah. You need to turn oh, that collar up, my friend. I mean, it's actually a hoodie. It just oh. looks like a, like a tactical turtleneck. Damn, and we thought that you were that cool. <laughs> I think uh, I might have one. I'm not 100% sure. We're going to start calling you Master Splinter now that you're doing the rat stuff. Yeah, dude. Legit. So, did you get the gumption to build your own rat rack at home? Uh, I have considered it a lot of times, but also the fact that uh, I've worked with rats enough to know how gross they they are. Like, they need their own separate shed, and I can't get them their own separate shed right now. Yeah, but I think if you had a, a small personal operation, much yeah. like Justin and Jake have, you Phil's would be okay. Seen it. Phil's yeah. seen what we're doing, like, and it's Justin not Jake matter, have, but it produces a good bit. It's basically a broom closet sized setup. I mean, is that a fair assumption, Justin? Yeah, I mean, both those racks together is like what, maybe five feet across and about six foot tall, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and I think really not Casey's Casey's kind of uh, uh, he's kind of damaged from the volume of rodents that he had worked with recently. Yes. Hold on just a second. Mom, the meatloaf. Does it work without? We want it now. It does, but you're very echoey. Oh, shit. Okay. Why? Can you I thought not I hear it? Because I'm not talking to you guys through my... I can hear you through my, uh, my computer, not through my headphones, but I can't talk through my computer. So just take, take one ear off. I did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the other one that doesn't there you go there you there. go now it just looks stupid well you can just, just take them off and just hold them in front of you i'm upset that you're not in the usual spot with the globe yeah um i'm pet sitting for a friend right now so i'm like hey i've got nothing going on taking advantage of the on. wi-fi yeah any exciting pets or just the, the normal dog and no cat there's job? literally a, a bunny rabbit jumping around right now i want to post pictures of it on facebook but like i know what like 10% of my Facebook friends are assholes. So I'm going to get like, you know, well, you're going to feed that to your snake, man. Yeah. When like, I'm also friends with my friend's fiance on Facebook. So she's going to read those comments. <laughs> people asking that. So where'd the rabbit go? Uh, it ran off. It ran away. Yeah. I never understand. I never understand why non-animal people feel compelled to say asinine things like i had some i had some people over the other night we, we played poker and our one buddy you know joe he brought two of his friends you know to, to play and i have a couple 
I have a baby carpet and some geckos in my living room on like a little quarantine type rack. And the first thing out of that one guy's mouth is, oh, man, you, you got snakes, man. I was like, yeah, he goes, oh, that's cool. You got a little one and a big one. <laughs> we should put the little one in the big one's cage and see if they fight. And it was just like, yeah, I right? just kind of looked at him like, really? Like, that's your go-to? It's like, oh, you got a big dog and a little dog? Just make them fight. Like, a big kid, little kid? Duke make it out. Fight. Yeah, make them fight. Yeah. I mean, Sorry. that was like when I found the um, the kittens under our uh, front porch like a year ago at this point. I post those up on Facebook. Hey, I found some dirt kittens under the porch. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And I got one or two comments from people that are reptile people like, oh, you're going to feed those to your python? Absolutely not. I don't yeah. want them under my porch, but like, I'm not going to feed baby cats to yeah. my snakes. Uh, and what sucks is when I first said that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to delete whoever. Like, I know someone's going to ask this and they're going to get immediately deleted. And it was like a past customer of mine that like I actually like. Oh, Ask me that question, so it's okay. Well, I'm glad I didn't. Glad I didn't publicly announce that I'm going to do that because I like this person. I'm not actually going to delete them, even though I want to now. Yeah, yeah, shame. But oh. uh, I don't know. I haven't been able to listen to a lot of the rat talk. Um, I have been considering this lately, though. Of I where I live, there's chicks everywhere, like. You know, there's chicken farms all over the place, so all the male chicks that they would normally just very quickly euthanize, there's a ton of those around. I've considered a few times getting large quantities of those unwanted males and just raising them up because they grow so much faster than rats, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you can buy some of those like egg-laying chick males that no one wants, and in like three or four weeks, you can have a huge number of sizes. You can have sizes up to like jumbo rat size in like four weeks. Really? Yeah. They grow so much fast. Birds grow so much faster than rodents do. So, you know, it's one of those things where you get day old size, you raise one batch of them up for a week. Um, another cat, you know, another group up for another week, do the same thing, rinse and repeat. So you've got some that are just larger than like a large rat or a jumbo rat. And they're lower in fat. Uh, they're way cheaper to feed because you can get chicken feed at any. Yeah, for next to nothing. Yeah, yeah. for next to nothing at any tractor supply show. And, and tractor and supply co or something like that. Not to get graphic, but no one says you have to feed the whole prey item. You can quarter it out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. We've I've talked about this with a few people where there's almost this like mass brainwashing of reptile people right now where we think we have to feed our stuff rodents. Right. When, like, as far as available no, no, animal protein goes. Opposite, man. I think there's enough people talking about feeding alternate stuff like frog legs and tilapia and whatnot that people are starting to sort of branch out some. But I mean, think I about mean, it like this. Like the hope most so. well-studied animal other than humans are chickens. The animal that is the most available animal protein is chickens. There's a huge number of male chickens from egg-laying breeds that are literally being, like, thrown into a blender as soon as they hatch out and as soon as they sex them. So there's this massive resource that is available to everybody by, you know, by the millions and we're not taking advantage of it. I don't understand why we're not taking advantage of it. That's true. So that's, that's, that makes me wonder too, if I could find someone locally that has a bunch of extra males and just buy those for, for cheap and 
euthanize them myself and then vacuum seal them and, and freeze them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of turkeys. I love turkeys. I think they're awesome. They're oh. probably uh, one of my favorite non-reptilian animals. And I was actually looking at getting turkey poults as a alternative prey item. But it's very different than chicks in chickens because the people that are breeding turkeys in volume, they're either doing the high-end designer 4-H fair type turkeys <laughs> or or they're doing it legitimately at, you know farming and agriculture so show turkeys legitimately yeah they have they have morphs and everything it's crazy so you're not going to get those 4h morph turkey poults for cheap i mean that yes they're cheap in the grand scheme of things but not cheap like chicken chick cheap where there's millions of them being you know haphazardly discarded so to speak so like the people on craigslist with the 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 rats they're selling and they're like these are pet only not feeders it's like yeah, okay yeah yeah okay we'll find out <laughs> yeah i always they do, are i always i always do find it interesting when you know you you have the 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 mom who bought their kid a hamster and she calls the pet shop and says hey you know i don't want to take care of this thing anymore but i want to make sure it gets rehomed i want to make sure it's not fed off to some other animal and that's a very justifiable thing. They don't want their pet being, you know, fed to something. I get that. But the, every once in a while, you will get that parent that's like, hey, my kid doesn't want this gerbil anymore. Can you feed it off to something? <laughs> Kendra bring up a good point. You know, they've heard that there's a lot of concern with, uh, like, cross-contamination and disease when feeding avian diets. Which I too have heard. I know like Harlan Wall is a guy who's very much against, like he's very cautious of feeding avian stuff to reptiles just because of the, the high transmission rate of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I mean, at the same time, there's so many people doing it that we don't see issues with. I think maybe it's kind of like like what we see with, with Nido and some other stuff where the people that are the, that had the worst experiences are the, the ones that are most vocal. But well, Harlan also, also an, an emerald guy. So right. It's different where emeralds are very well known for getting avian chlamydia from parrots at the import place, and they do die very quickly, and it's a pretty, um, you know, pretty transmissible disease between the right. emeralds too. But with chickens, I mean, your worst commercial chicken farm is going to be so much more well regulated for disease than your best rodent farm oh yeah mm -hmm. i mean my uncle's job is he literally goes to the different chicken factories for uh, uh fielddale chickens here, uh, here in georgia and they test them for diseases they go through and look at the colonies if the colonies have something popping up in them they can tell these people hey we want you to you know kill all these or quarantine all these or mm -hmm. something like that because we can't have a disease coming through our chickens right you're not going to see that in the best rodent people. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I know that like snake diseases and rodent diseases aren't the same other than like, you know, maybe tapeworms or something like that. But I do feel like with something like day old male chicks who you're buying them within like a day or two of them hatching out. I don't know if there's much disease they can get in that time. I could sure. be wrong about that, but. Yeah. Well, I also wonder, like, with Harlan in particular, you know, he deals with a lot of imports and stuff and, and things that are already kind of an uphill battle, and maybe he just has more issues with avian stuff, like food, because of that. I don't I don't know. I mean, he's had his hands on way more snakes than I have in my lifetime, so 
I do like I I do take his opinion on it. Like it does hold some weight for me, but you know, not having fed really any avian prey aside from quail eggs, I I can't really say one way or the other. But I I do understand both sides of it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, uh, Casey, when you met my buddy JT when we met up in North Georgia where he lives, he's surrounded by hundreds of poultry farms, and uh, we when we were driving back from visiting you, we saw some guys in like hazmat suits and i and i said to him i was like hey man what's going on there he goes oh no no no, that's that's their attire because there's so many you know uh disease prevention measures mm-hmm. that they literally have legit biohazard suits that they wear when they go in, into the actual paddocks and stalls where all the the chickens are held you know they don't want to bring anything in they don't want to cross contaminate anything so everything is super duper clean and sterile you know when they enter the building and stuff so i found that very very fascinating yeah, and I mean, that's North Georgia is the poultry capital of the world. So I'm able to kind of get a little insight into some of this. I just, it seems to me so strange that there is all, you know, there's all these problems with rodent breeders right now. Nobody can get a hold of rodents. Everybody's prices are going sky high. Not if you do your own. I mean, even even if you're doing your own, you still I mean, run into like. I say that, but I have a production issue right now with Exactly. Own. I mean, even somebody who's got a rodent facility as big as Justin Kabilka's this time of year, dead of winter, their production is way lower than it would be in like, you know, May or March or something right, like that. Right. Yep. It's just how it goes with rodents versus chickens where they're so domesticated at this point And they're so well understood what makes them lay eggs. There's no shortage of chickens. There's just, yeah. they're just not. Well, I mean that, and if they're on like laying mash too, like my dad used to give his, he used to stop giving his hens laying mash because they were cranking out so many eggs. He didn't know what to do with them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Johnny asked, did Harlan say what diseases were linked to avian diets and reptiles, specifically those that are more easily transmittable between species, uh, transmissible, I should say. Uh, he didn't specifically, but I mean, you're talking about, parasite media is yeah, the biggest one with like it. that parasites that are going to occupy a very similar uh physiology and, and things like that yeah and like i said i mean that from the emerald guys that is a legitimate concern that they have is you know avian chlamydia coming through and wiping out your entire emerald yeah. collection yeah i don't know why it's just emeralds that's really strange to me like it doesn't seem I mean, to mess up species that much. eats birds a lot naturally. It's not I mean, nearly as far so. of a jump as it is for other species of snake, you know. And even then, like reptiles in general, like switching, like the jump for parasites and disease from birds into reptiles is very small, you know. And I think it's even smaller with emeralds because you're looking at a species that that is known as a major bird eater in the wild. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It makes sense, I guess, but. I just think it's strange that emeralds are so affected by them, but Amazon should be big bird eaters too, in my mind. Well, what I also feel is interesting is I had a customer who is, he's passed away a long time ago. So when I was a cricket boy at underground, there was this guy named Dave who used to come in and Dave bred emeralds. And Dave was also a former falconer. And what he would do is he would have his falcons hunt, you know, nuisance birds and then feed those birds to all his emeralds. 
and every once in a while there would be you know fish and wildlife would show up for a, a falcon inspection they'd be like what are all these blue feathers on the floor what are all these red feathers on the floor because he he would he would catch blue jays and cardinals and feed them to the emeralds and i mean obviously that's illegal you can't do that and i mean he didn't care this was you know in the 70s and uh he never as far as i know he never had any issues in that capacity but he wasn't feeding them chickens. He was feeding them wild South Florida birds. So who knows? Well, even then, I'd wonder if you'd get that issue from chickens. Like, I wonder if it's more of a parrot sort of thing than it is. Yeah, it very well could be. It could also be binary, you know, where basically they they get the, the avian chlamydia and it something is found in the emeralds in the farm or the wholesaler or the exporter where that other illness doesn't coincide with the avian chlamydia and just turns it on who knows yeah and i mean it may be just a stress from uh, import export too yeah like you get stressed you stress you drop so low that the avian chlamydia is able to take over there's a lot of moving parts yeah there's a lot of moving parts into that too because it doesn't make sense for me to Say, okay, well, if emeralds get avian chlamydia, they're going to die when, what are they eating in the wild? I mean, something they eat has to be exposed to that. Even if they don't eat birds per se, like, they have to eat, you know, something that would eat birds or raid a bird nest too. Like a, you know, a rat or something like that. Casey looks like a Bond villain, dude. I can't get over it. <laughs> I love it. It suits him well. <laughs> Especially with his hair like that. He... I feel like I'm watching Tomorrow Never Dies or something. Which one was the, what was the, uh, was it a uh, Goldeneye? Was, to, was that the, the one with the giant satellite? Well, Goldeneye was the satellite and everyone had a turtleneck, but you're thinking of the bad guy from Tomorrow Never Dies where he, he was the, the media tycoon and he yeah. had a turtleneck too. So <laughs> that, that Tomorrow Never Dies, I think was one of the worst. Let, let me phrase this. Pierce Brosnan, for whatever reason, got so much flack because they switched his pistol to the new Walther and everyone threw their arms in the air and was all in, in, a, in a, a tizzy because they switched James Bond's infamous gun. And then the next movie, yeah, they went back to it, which I thought was hilarious. A little movie trivia for you. I'll, uh, I'll look into it. <laughs> okay, Steve Jobs. <laughs> Dragon there said, I feed my carpets pigeons and doves from a buddy that raises both. That's another, I don't know how dove, I mean, people do doves all the time, like breeding-wise and, and raising. Yeah. So Those can't be too terribly difficult either. But Yep. And uh, Randy joined us and he says that he does quail, chicks, mice, and rats to all his chondros and Amazons, no problems at all. And it makes me wonder, Randy, if you're getting, or do you get all of them from the same provider or do you source them separately? And Dan Tan said, "Do any snakes commonly do any snakes commonly kept eat invertebrates? Um, so garters um, and something. Here's actually something interesting that I thought about trying the other night, but I I just didn't have the the, the balls to do it. Knowing how switched on condors are all the time to food, I was very much contemplating seeing if I could get a smaller one to eat a dubia." I mean, they've been documenting um, moths in the wild, right? Yeah. I know with Billy, um, when I went over to his house once, 
he had some of those spotted that did not want to eat anything. So just as a little, like, just see if it works. It didn't, of course, but we took some of his super worms and, like, cut the head off one mm -hmm. and, like, let some of the juice come out just to see if that would trigger anything in one of the spotted pythons. I was really hoping, though, that we could try that out. We figure out some kind of, like, secret to spotted pythons. Didn't work, but... Yeah. It was worth a try. It was worth a shot. It was a... Well, I mean, there was pressure. a... Wasn't there a video not that long ago of of McCurley assist feeding something some wax worms, some sort of snake? I don't remember what it was. I think, I think so. it might have been a boiga. Which I don't necessarily I don't agree with it, but if it actually I, I mean I've with done with, that before with wax worms it actually makes sense because those things are high in fat, high in protein. And you know they don't have all the shelliness that you get with with meal and, and super worms. So it would be interesting to try, especially with something that comes out really small, like like boiga. You know. So I tried it with the baby inland carpet that would not eat anything, and that was the only thing that I could get that what I would try to force it down her throat, where she would fully swallow it. Were yeah. uh, headless wax worms. Right. Last just effort, she ended up dying, but. Yeah, I, I have done it. Hmm. Um, they digest them pretty well. Sometimes they have a hard time with the, uh, I guess exoskeleton would be the right word, the the skin. Mm -hmm. That's a little hard to digest sometimes, but I've done it. I can't say I've succeeded with it, but I've done yeah. it. I uh, I was gifted a, <clears throat> excuse me. I was gifted an Ekis uh, Sukreki and uh, the... Uh, Central Asian saw scale viper, an adult or here. little one? No, a, a neonate, and uh, it was brought here under uh, not the nicest conditions, and it was in fairly bad shape when I got it for what it was. But I hydrated it and got some heat on it and left it alone and could not get the thing to eat for anything. And I wound up giving it uh, three quarter size crickets, dusted, and it ate them. Uh, yeah. It hunted them down and ate them. But I feel like. I needed to kind of do what Casey was talking about and squirt some cricket juice on like a day old pinky because it just wasn't enough. It was enough to, to, to get him back up to speed, but it wasn't enough to maintain that level of healthiness. And he wound mm -hmm. up passing away after about three, four months. Um, but it was definitely interesting to see something that is, I would have never guessed. And I was yeah. like, you know what? They have to be eating something this size in the wild. Cause the thing was like a cocktail straw, you know? Well, I remember Al Koritz used to post videos of his baby, like neonate Ekis, and he'd throw in crickets, and they just watching them just go to town on them, dude. It was wild. Yeah, super cool, super cool. That is kind of awesome. I know that there are videos of baby copperheads going after cicadas. Yeah, cicadas. Yeah, I've yet to see that down here. There is some place I think further up the coast here in South Carolina. Um, they have a Facebook page. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but they have a group of, of like a a population of copperheads that they find eating cicadas a lot. So, I mean, they have to be a really good source of protein and fat for the little boom, uh, boom and bust time they have. Yeah, but man, there's there's if you've ever played with a, a cicada, like they are that exoskeleton is serious. So it makes, I mean, clearly they, they have no issues keeping them down and digesting them, but it's just, it's kind of surprising that something like that, you know, they can, they can just. 
well, process, you, no problem. You also look at certain, you know, insects and, and arachnids where, you know, segmented compartments of the exoskeleton, if one segment gets ruptured, obviously it compromises the integrity of the exoskeleton. So, like, I imagine if a copperhead of good of relative size slammed a cicada just right, it would puncture at least one, if not both fangs into that exoskeleton, which would kind of do like what we do with the cutting, you know, and it's already injecting those digestive enzymes into the prey at them. So I imagine that would help a lot with having such a hard shell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I it's do imagine too that, to watch them. like you said, the segments where they're not, um, you know, they're not together. I do imagine if just a little bit of digestive enzymes able to reach its way around those joints, as soon as it breaks those apart, it's done. I mean, you just have the covering, but then the whole digestive system is able to just rip it apart once it breaks through those little joints. It would be interesting to see what, what comes out the other end, because you know how we get a lot of fur and stuff and, and rodent eaters, you know, what are they not digesting with those? So I've heard rumors this video exists. I have never seen it. Uh, supposedly in Australia, someone filmed a black-headed python going after um, crayfish. I have not seen the video. I've heard it exists. Really? Um, if someone in the comments can tell me that's not real or find it for me, I really appreciate it. Where's the crawdaddy? Crawdaddy, tell me about it. But yeah, apparently that that's something that black-headed pythons do, which makes sense because they're a garbage disposal animal that eats anything that moves. I'm now lighting up a Romacraft Cro-Magnon. Hey, there he is. He said he's never heard of that. Aw. He's been summoned. The Crawdaddy. Right. Well, if he's never heard of it, it's not real. So, describe everything right. I've said. Crayfish are not a regular diet of the uh, Australian black-headed python. Well, I'm, I'm looking right now, and I don't see anything that I could find. So. I just I want to try the Dubia thing for chondros, but I don't want to try it with the... Uh, little designer baby that i have from luke so dantan yeah <laughs> yeah dantan says the exoskeleton <laughs> keratin as well or a different material so when i kept doomerals monitors you know one of their favorite things is crayfish and i would clear out you know two or three pet soup markets in a week and just buy up all their crayfish just to keep things fresh and i would keep them in a little retaining tank so i wasn't using them all up all the time but this is a lizard that's designed to negotiate the obstacles of the mangrove estuary and snag these crayfish yeah. and crush them and just demolish them and, and that that chitin shell they, there would be nothing in the stool it would just it would just be it would be very very similar to when we do the cutting on the rats and you know you notice a python poop goes from being a legitimate poop to like barely anything very, very similar. So as long as I didn't give them any rodents that week, if they were only eating the crayfish, there would be like powdered nothing. So that's insane. Like I know whenever out here you find like, um, and it's a mammal. So raccoon poop, poop or uh, mink poop or something like that. There's always little bits of crayfish shells in them. So they can't digest them. But you know, a reptile's digestive system is a lot more thorough than a mammal. Sure. Sure. Oh, I love yeah, this you almost expect to like see a claw or something. Or yeah, like I've some... seen claws and uh, mink poop before. Okay, there you go. Well, remember on Crocodile Hunter when he was in Africa, he was finding like monitor uh, 
monitor scat and there was all kinds of yeah there was like other monitor claws in the monitor scat i think it was it might have been komodo actually it was it was komodo yeah scott says he calls bullshit on the blackhead probably Probably on the blackhead i mean i feel like that may i can't first of all one of the things that i i dreamed and just have always thought it was real (laughs) that doesn't their 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 territory doesn't seem very conducive to crayfish yeah, yeah, you can say that. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, desert sand dwelling crayfish. I don't, I don't When we think blackheads, we just automatically assume, you know, arid landscape. I'm sure there's some more semi-tropical and 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 steppe land where they are being inhabited. Yeah, they live out in the shrublands and stuff like that too. I think they've got a pretty wide range of habitat up in like northern Australia. Scott, is it true? Scott, yeah, he's just waiting. Just, send me the fucking <laughs> That's I know. I'm waiting for that message. <laughs> so, but it's oh, one yeah, of those things. Like, thing. I feel like it's bad. there's like a thirty percent chance it's true. <laughs> like seventy percent chance is bullshit, but like a thirty percent chance that somewhere in some mud puddle somewhere. Uh, there's black a blackhead throwing ham crayfish. on some uh, some crayfish. Yeah, and and Scott says <laughs> the best mindfuck is the Demanzia eating grapes in the wild, and I'm pretty sure I don't know if it was I think it was him who sent me a, a photograph of it. Yeah, that's crazy. I think there was a video. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah a video it might have been it. a video. Yeah, I've heard, and this may just be like reptile keepers trying to justify a weird thing they don't understand. I've heard people say it's fake where they drop some fish oil on the grapes or something like that to make the make the snake eat it, but it's the I internet man. It's yeah, the it's internet man. You can't rule out anything. <laughs> this is the same place where you can find someone putting their you know designer Peter Dragons in a jacuzzi style foot bath. Jesus. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, what the hell have we come the to? The comment section on that was more disturbing than the video itself. Oh, really? See, I just saw a clip of it on Instagram. People are like, I want to try that with mine. Oh, God. They look like they're enjoying it. And you can see the beard are just like boiling alive. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like God. a lobster. It's like, good God. Why? Ugh. I watched that. I do I think like, there's a... hobby is so fucked. <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute. <laughs> All right. Bill says I, had, I, I did see a video... There is documentation too of, I want to say it's a timber rattlesnake eating seaweed out on a beach somewhere. There's something, there is a snake of some kind. I want to say it's some kind of North American viper eating sargassum on a beach. Interesting. Which, I mean, it's probably accidental though. It smells like fish. So, yeah, why not? Maybe these ones are just vegan. <laughs> so, there you go. So Bill Bradley just sent me sent us this. Oh yeah. I never see him in trees like that though. There you go. Hmm. hmm. Have you seen the video of uh the girl's like, oh, my dog's a vegan by choice. Who have got this salad? Who have oh, got this yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> We're going to see which one he picks. The dog like, 
jumps on the dog food as fast as he could. She's like, no, no, don't do it. Scott said, urine from skinks covering the grapes elicited a feeding response. The lizard's attracted to the flies feeding on the rotting fruit. Makes as much sense as anything else. Yeah. Yeah, with stuff like that, I have a hard time believing that it is just simply like what you're seeing. Like there has to be more to it than, you know, like like Scott is saying, there's there's some sort of scent lingering from something else. And I don't know. Phil says he's got something other, some other picture sent. If it's a if it's a blackhead eating crayfish, we're gonna cry. Steaks eat tongs too. Yeah, it's it's not, but it's it's pretty damn cool. This is right up my alley. Chowing down. Look at that. A Florida cottonmouth snake photographed while ingesting seaweed collected from a strand of at Seahorse Key. The plant material was touched with a dead mullet before being offered to the snake. Each photograph is in sequence represents a point in the ingestion process. Okay, see, somebody tried to feed them a... Yeah, a but see, that's, that's cheating, though. Seaweed. Yes, yeah, at the same time, our good buddy Dr. Wyman had his kukri eat that shed. But that was, yeah. But I feel that like that's, that's, that's different. different. That's that's, that's different. That's totally I'm just different. saying, like it's it's. I don't know. I mean, that would be like with some of our snakes. If you were feeding a bunch of rats, and then you grabbed a banana and like rubbed some rat on the banana and tried to give it to a snake, sure. it would eat it. Yeah. That's cheating. We That's also have, different than a snake going on the beach, smelling around, and then accidentally eating some seaweed. Or also the same as you know, Doctor Wyman putting sh shed skin in to to see what the enrichment response would be, and you know the the snake said, "Oh wow, this smells like it's something edible." You know, and I feel like if the kukri snake was large enough to consume a juvenile or baby or neonate ball python, it probably would. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, carpets eat sandals and towels and yep. puppy pads and paper towels. So, yep. Did I tell the story about the blue tongue eating the uh, coffee filter last time I was on here? I don't think so. You can eat anything once. Yeah, I, uh, I messed up where I ran out of uh, uh, paper plates that I usually feed stuff on. And I had a bunch of coffee filters. So I was like, okay, yeah, you know, this will work. This will get it off the substrate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pulling everything out. They all were fine. I guess I had one where I looked and was like, oh, there's nothing in here. I guess I just forgot to feed you. Sorry, dude. And then a couple days later, uh, cooped out the coffee filter. No problem. <laughs> ate the whole thing. Wow. Hey, that, that yeah, could have been way worse. Filters for your lizards because they will eat them. Bill says, I found a snake eating seaweed in real time for the discussion. Give me a break. <laughs> we got you, Bill. He Always. was quick on the draw for that. He was. He was. Uh oh. So. Can y'all hear that? The sirens? I don't know. No, I don't we don't hear I don't hear sirens. I don't know. Maybe it's funny popping around on the ground. Does it bite? Uh yeah, actually I got a scar right here on my wrist from <laughs> Do you need uh, the holy hand grenade? Yeah, exactly. So what was going on was they had two bunnies at one point. 
They had Stanley down here, and they had Winston, but they didn't get along. So when I was coming over to Petsit for a little while, I was like, okay, I'm going to get these two bunnies acclimated to each other. I've done this with some other animals before where you keep one in the cage and the other kind of bounce around. You make sure their food's nearby, so they <laughs> slow. Casey going, yeah, it works for blue tongues. It'll it'll definitely work for rabbits. Worked for a little while until Stanley decided he was going to attack Winston, and in which case, first flying everywhere. I reached down, I grabbed this like rabbit's like half the size, like half half times bigger, whatever you want to call it, like fifty percent larger than this little rabbit that's attacking him. So I grabbed the rabbit to pick him up, and Stanley latches onto my my wrist, and I've still got a scar from it, so. Just be happy. The, uh, car story. Be happy you didn't get kicked, man. I always get kicked by bunnies. I'd rather get kicked than bit. Yeah, man, those uh, rodent teeth are... They'll do some damage to you. I'd much rather be ri- bitten by a snake than any form of rodent. Ugh, very true. Very true. Well, speaking of snakes... I went to the Reptilian Nation Expo yesterday. Oh, yeah, how was that? So it felt good. It it had a great vibe. It was very, very crowded for an early Sunday morning. Uh, Henry and his wife went the day before in midday, and they said the place was packed. Um, It was probably the hall they were in I had not been in before to all the shows that I've been to in that facility whether it be, you know, reptile or other, but it didn't have the Repticon vibe. And it was a lot of the same local Southeast vendors. Um, some the whole... person who put that on from like the West coast though, like they do some of the West coast shows. I, thought I, I don't know, but they've got way. shows all over the country now. Okay. So, um, but the, the vibe was real good. Everything was choreographed. Well, there was no, it, it very much felt like Daytona. It did in terms of like, tickets and customer service and mm-hmm. you know spacing of the tables and booths um there was not a lot of tchotchke crap um there was like uh, maybe two or three people that were doing you know herp related jewelry and, and crystals and that kind of sort which fits the vibe with our kind of click you know um but what was really shocking to me was almost a third if not you know 40 percent of the show was inverts Lots oh. and lots and lots of inverts. And I don't know if it's because it was West Palm and that like is our little, you know, area, but there was probably six to 10 vendors that just did arachnids and, and <clears throat> centipedes and scorpions and tarantulas and then all the decor and, and accoutrement to go with them. I mean, all those little clear film canisters, just hundreds of film canisters. It was super cool. See, Eddie Soto went and he said, if you had the opportunity to vend the Reptilian National Expo in West Palm Beach this weekend and turned it down, you royally fucked up. So, I don't know. I thought that was pretty, pretty. Maybe it was just because of the turnout, but maybe there was there was several tables on Sunday that the people didn't show up. There was just a table there with a tablecloth and there was nobody there. Um, And it looked like. It looked like they did sell a bunch of stuff on the Saturday because there was several vendors that had acrylic displays that had empty cubbies. Um, so I imagine they were full on Saturday. Who knows? Um, there wasn't that crazy a variety of types of vendors, but it wasn't just all balls. It wasn't just all crusties. It, 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 had, a, it had a mix of stuff. So it was good. And uh, I 
bought snakes that I was not planning on buying. So I pull up the pictures now. Yeah. So someone asked who put on the show. Eddie said, honestly, no clue, but I'm tempted to follow this guy out of the state. LOL. Uh, and then someone said Ryan Minardi put the show on. They're popular out west and Midwest. So. Yeah, I'm glad Repticon's getting some competition right now. I feel like I feel like they've gotten real lazy from being the only people that are doing shows like that. I know the uh, the show me snake the show me snake show in Georgia is kind of gaining all the the really good vendors from the Repticon stuff. Just gonna say, look, they treat their vendors better. It's a more well run show. You know, all the stuff that vendors want to hear. Uh, so I will say this too is that there was no frozen rodent person. In fact, there was no like there was really no feeder people. Um, I think there was one or two bug feeder people, um, but there was no rodents for sale at all that I could see. There was a rodent bedding and like rodent supply person, which I thought was cool, um, but they did not have any feeders for sale at all. So it was very interesting. But I was walking around, minding my own business, and then this sucker slapped me in the face. Ooh, nice. Ooh. H snakes. Yup. So, so is this... that a silver face, or is that just a picture? So, no, that is exactly what the animal looks like in person. Um, that's the male, and it's anery het for blonde mm -hmm. and it's about six weeks old so and it, it looks it looks like it's about six weeks old uh the guy i got it from he did not produce it his friend did and he said that he had fed it two live pinks and it ate perfectly fine so we shall see um the male is like that blue gray color is legit like super duper legit um but then you see the female and it's just Ooh. this picture just does not do it justice. It's it's damn near white. It's awesome. So now I have uh, a twenty late twenty twenty one one point one anery subox. I'm planning to breed mine next year. I think the the female should be plenty old and big enough. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna feed the crap out of these things and. Cross my fingers. So, my female subog is the one she went crazy on a frog leg when I offered it. Nice. The male is slightly too small for me to feel comfortable about giving him one, but I have no doubt that he probably would have taken one too. Cool. How big do you have your adults in? Uh, they're both in like thirty-two courts right now, and they're not—they're not full-grown adults yet. They've—they've—they're still a little smaller, but. They are really cool. Give me yeah, Steven, that's why they call them H-Snakes. Like one of their old school names. Yeah, I literally saw them on the table, and I was like, oh, man, Andy's going to hate me. Andy, we're, we're, we're Anery Subok brothers now. I do love the, uh, the Silvers, man. Yeah. Those are my favorites in the Subox for sure. Yeah, dude. Who did you know, do you know who produced them? Not a clue, man. Okay. 
and there's a there's like a weird there was a there's a sticker on the top of the deli cup and it says TP2, so I'm assuming Transpecos 2, dash 21, so I'm assuming 2021, mm-hmm. and then dash four. But they both say dash four. So I don't know if clutch four or something. Yeah, who knows? So <clears throat> but part of me is a little bummed that I don't have full definitive lineage. But at the same time, it's kind of cool because I mean I plan on I I plan on breeding the two of them together eventually, but then I also have that Davis Mountain orange female. So I figure what you know, by the time that this male is big enough to breed in general, she'll be more than ready. So We'll just try that, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like if they do, do they look good, cool, and breed them. You know? Yeah. And dude, even if even if they don't breed, man, they're stupid pretty. So and Anna Maria likes them. So they're, just, they're fun snakes, man. They're fun snakes, man. They're just stupid cute. I love it. I don't trust my female one damn bit. Casey, you're muted. Figure you know how to work computer, Steve Jobs. <laughs> well, apparently not. That's why it took me forever to get on here. <clears throat> I got this computer three days ago. Oh, nice. I did the Reptile Fight Club episode on it, and it worked but I'm fine. I'm so excited for that. For about <laughs> halfway through the episode, and all of a sudden my camera just stopped. So, When is yeah. that episode supposed to come out? Do you know? Next week, I think. Ah, it's too long. I know it well, is. what's funny is when, after I did my episode, I went back and listened to the one with you and Bill, and I remember why I stopped listening mid-show because I was getting so like passionate about what you guys were talking about, and I was like, I can't call in, I can't email anyone. This is after the fact. I was like really, really upset, and then like a day later, I finished it, and then I just re-listened to it when I was you know doing some driving. And I remembered, I was like, man, this is such a fantastic topic. And uh, See, the funny thing is, I was listening to yours on my way driving here. Like the one you just put out with uh, the Venomous mentorship thing. Mm -hmm. Which is why I was like, oh, I want to talk to Phil. I should call him. He's like, wait, no, it's Monday. I'll just pop on Snakes and Stogies if they're not having an important guest on. (laughs) You're always an important one. Yeah, but like there's certain episodes like... uh, like the episode you did with Jen, I wouldn't want to jump in on that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. But or when yeah, no. What I'm saying is the Mike thing. Uh, I'm going to Arlington. <clears throat> oh yeah, uh, the big show there. I'm going to see uh, Bill Stegall's place uh, this Friday. I'm really, really excited about that. If you could grab one of those chondros, uh, any of them, and just shove it in your yeah, pocket. I, I mean, I'm sure. Be, I'm sure that's fine. They'll, you know, just let me take this one. <laughs> he won't even notice if the sickness is just gone. Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't. Yeah. I can't believe he brings it to shows. I I don't think he does okay. anymore. I don't know if he actually vends shows oh, uh, right. with Andres. I know he does a lot of uh like mid range ball python stuff. He's kind of one of the only guys who does uh you know with a good size collection that just does like Candinos and pides and stuff that like, you know, kids want. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go you, check out Bill's place. You've been doing I'm, some ball stuff. Yeah, I mean, 
Balls are cold. Oh, how's that I thing going? I think I'm going to get a litter of our clutch of ball pythons. Hopefully this month or next month. I'm still not 100% sure how to read them, so I don't know if she did a pre-ovulation <laughs> shed or a pre-lay shed. So I'm kind of just watching her. Like, I don't know if you ovulated or if you're gravid right now. What? So, I don't know. I'm, I may have some ball pythons pretty soon. Kind of excited. I've never bred them before. I like it. I like it's like your little side, you know, closet project. <laughs> closet, yeah, freak. right. I don't know. I, I mean, there's like, like three branches of ball pythons I want to do. I don't know if I really want to get like any further. I have one or two others I'd want to do. Yeah, exactly. Ultra male stuff. Yeah, gender gets it. But oh, no, I was gonna say. I feel like every big reptile show has that I've been to has its own specific like uh, like draw to it. So Daytona's got the party, it's got the, the people, it's got the vibe of the beach. Uh, the Schomburg show had the nicest hotel I've ever been in. It was just a <laughs> incredible hotel. The Tinley show in October is just the you know it's the October Tinley show. It's an awesome show. So I'm curious as to what is going to be Arlington's thing. I kind of feel like it's going to be food. If that sounds right. Really? Really? I mean, it's Texas, man. You got it's the barbecue, brisket barbecue capital of the world. That's true. That's very true. So uh, one of my best friends is from there, and he's actually there right now. It's where I'm watching his bunny. Uh, he sent me pictures of some brisket and some sausages and stuff they got. I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. That looks so good. You're literally making me hungry. Right? And this was like the perfect kind of brisket where it's like just charred blackened on the ins on the outside and on the inside it's still Yeah, of course. Still got that pink to it. Of course. So I have a I have a client of mine who's he's a seminal he's a seminal Indian and he lives out on the reservation and his whole thing is cooking briskets. That's just like his thing. And he brought us a brisket and he was like, oh, this is, you know, Indian brisket and you, you're never going to eat anything better than this in your life and blah, blah, blah. And so he did it for like 14 or 15 hours smoked and then takes all the drippings. And for like an hour solid turkey bastes the drippings back onto it in the smoker while it's still going. And dude, I. It's like drinking brisket. It was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Okay, well, I got to try that now. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't don't quote me on the hours that he actually did it, but yeah, he, he did hickory smoked and then he just used all the drippings to re, you know, cascade over. So, uh, Bill and Bill and Scott are making fun of me in the chat <laughs> when Bill threatened to kill me while he was going down the stairs. <laughs> Scott says like, the escalator. At that of moment, death. I literally was looking around like, okay, if, if we're about to fight, like I need to pick something up real quick. So <laughs> I remember like with an arm a little look around and there's a lamp on this table over there. I'm like, if we're actually going to go down, I'm going to throw this lamp at this guy's head. Like, <laughs> so How much taller is Bill than you? I don't feel like Bill is. Bill's probably like, what, six? six he's not a small six, man. What, six one? He's not small, but okay. like he's not. Jason Hood freakishly huge either. Yeah, but you and I are short. <laughs> no bro. one's Jason Hood freakishly huge. <laughs> For those of y'all don't know, that don't know, Jason Hood is like six foot eight, six foot the nine. The giant trees like, and Lord like of the Rings. Humongous human being. 
that's Jason Hood. When you see him in a show, he's just like you can point him out in a crowd easily because he stands like three feet taller than everybody else. <laughs> he's like Nessie in a sea of people. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I would say Bill Bradley is somewhere between like five eleven and six one. Uh, he okay. I mean, he's in the chat. How tall are you, Bill? And we're talking about him like he's not actually partaking in this right now. He literally just said, "My family is listening," and this is and laughing. <laughs> yeah, he had the high ground, like Star Wars style. I mean, he's coming down the escalator. I'm hearing nice. boss music going on. <laughs> <laughs> There's this red mist, little little orange aliens walking around, whistling things. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, the the Schomburg Hotel was the nicest hotel ever. And if I had to uh, fight dirty and throw some glassware at uh, Bill Bradley's head through it, I, I would have done it. <laughs> you say good. that now. Yeah, right. But I feel like if you had picked, even if you had picked up the nearest potted plant or something, Bill still would have just laughed and beat you with it. <laughs> so Taking Bill it out of your hand like a child and just beating you with it. Bill says he's 6'1". What I think is hilarious is we're all going to go to Daytona this year, and out of nowhere, Bill Bradley's going to come over to our little circle, you know, our little round of conversation, and just hand Casey a lamp. And everyone's going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> no, it'll be like a freaking WWE when someone comes running in mid-fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill Bradley match. with a steel chair. With a steel chair. <laughs> That's oh, great. my God. Yeah. Just comes oh, and throws man. Casey over the balcony in the little snakes and stogies gazebo. Yeah. JR is in the background <laughs> just with his giant 10 gallon hat screaming. <laughs> uh, did you imagine that? Like we, we walk into the main lobby of the Hilton in Daytona and there's like a little folding table with a tablecloth on it. And there's JR with his hat and with a, little, a little sign that says reserved for Casey people. Cannon. And Bill yeah. just comes up and just chokes lambs and like right into the middle of the table and breaks it in half. That's good. That's good. Those tables are balsa wood. You'll be fine, Casey. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jason Hood walks in with a luchador mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And the giant spilotes that he chokes you out with. Yeah, exactly. that's his finishing move. Yeah, the spilotes. The spilotes strangle. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a black tube sock with yellow paint on it. <laughs> it's just like a sock puppet. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to see if I can show you guys the rabbit. No, God. He's, he's getting into some mischief right now. Oh, Jesus. I don't is know he, where he is. is oh, he there he is. Is he pissing all over everything? Oh, he's eating paper or something. Oh. Stanley, get out of here. There's a lot of debris on that floor. Stanley, damn it. Damn it, Stanley. Oh, he's cute. Look at his little white face. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, a cute he's little bunny. Yeah. This sucks. I don't know what kind of paper he's eating, but he's eating something. I don't think rabbits care. I hope it's not important. They're kind of like goats. If it's semi-edible, they're going to find a way to eat it. Yeah, I, I think this might actually be like something important. Just per perpetually chewing. I want to get no, Jason just... on THP or on here at some point, but I'm kind of afraid because I think he's he's angry at me because I said something about like locality spilotes aren't real or something, which I have no recollection of saying at any point. I mean, we all say things on Snakes and Stogies that make people upset with us. It's just No doubt. But we've probably, all been there. It's probably just Billy Hunt stirring the pot. Probably. He's like, hey, Jason, <laughs> did you hear Justin said your Spilotes localities are bullshit? 
Well, see, which I may have said, are there locality? Are there really localities of Spilotes, which could have been interpreted as Justin said, the Spilotes localities aren't real. See, but Jason's (laughs) one of those guys that, like, if he argues with you, he likes you. Okay. You know? I've never even talked to him. That's the thing. It's like I've been in a circle where people are talking to him, but I was not talking to him. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big thing when you're hanging out with Jason. Is it's like because he's also got bears. He'll like take little jabs at you, but if you take jabs back, he likes it. So like that's kind of what a what an interaction with Jason Hood is like. That's good. That's good. We should get him and Billy on. Yeah, man. That's kind of the the issue that I'm at now with, though, is like, do we have, like, I want to have guests for THP, but I also want to have guests on here. So now I have to choose between Phil and Jake. Dun, dun, dun. It's hard. Just, it's, it's, it's different vibe, man. Like, you know, THP has a, uh, a much more, uh, I don't want to say professional vibe, but it's more of the more formal. It's it's way more formal. Yeah, this is way more laid back, which is what we wanted. You know, this we is a show I can pop in halfway THP. through for no reason other than I'm bored and I'm pet sitting. Yeah, know what what do, what do you about, have to but... say about the Invisible Arc now, Casey? <sighs> <laughs> I have to say that. It could be a valid strategy. It is not well executed, <laughs> and I am That's sorry you to said the Rob first time. Stone for implying that Hamahera pythons <laughs> dying in captivity is the fault of the hobby. Oh my god! Oh jeez! I want to get Chuck Pullen on too at some point. Chuck's a super cool guy. I haven't talked to Chuck much until recently, but I really like Chuck. Dude, it's hard not to man. Guy's great. And Scott, oh, Scott says, says he wants in on the next book club. Yeah, we got to do that. We got to get him on. I'm out of books, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the release, so uh, Wyman, which I, we've now said his name three times, so the heckler may appear. Uh, the book on the the new edition of the Venomous Bites from Non-Venomous Snakes, got the, the release got delayed from March to June. Okay. Which is kind of a bummer, but at the same time, it gives me time to get it pre-ordered. So yeah, exactly. <sighs> Wyman's like our Beetlejuice now. Wyman, Wyman, Wyman's. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I want to have Scott on more too, though. We do. We do. What time is it in Australia right now? Like, you guys know, like off the top of your head, late like, morning. Yeah, so I'm saying it's like eleven in the morning, ten in the morning. Three, like it's that. three p.m. Oh, we were way off. Yeah, <laughs> where Scott is, is, it should be three p.m. I always get mixed yeah, up. With I mean, that. he can come on, I guess. Yeah, I, I always get mixed up because it's supposed to be sixteen hours ahead, but Florida and it's stupid daylight savings nonsense always. Fourteen dollars, you said. Okay. So, yes. so there's there's that <laughs> stupid daylight savings, right? Oh yeah, I forgot. It's like March there because they're so far ahead of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in Australia's too, where I mean I know Scott's in like Queensland right now, but uh I think the Northern Territory's got one of those weird half hour time zone things. 
Yeah, well, I think it's 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 the southern portion of the Northern Territory, right? I don't know. It's something like that. Where sometime in Australia, there's like a half hour time zone for some yeah. reason. Yeah. No daylight savings. So there you go. Yeah. In Queensland. Yeah, they're a they're a civilized country that doesn't do daylight savings. And yeah. Fucking Benjamin Franklin. I mean, see, he got struck by the damn lightning when he was flying the kite, and now look at what we have. I know, right? I did see a song or a, a meme today. I think it is great. Now we have people that can fact check me. It's forty or sixty days. It's going to start going getting dark at seven p.m. instead of like five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, but that only so I'm excited that, about that. But that only pertains to if you're up, I think above like above the thirtieth parallel, something to that extent. I don't know. I'm like, just happy to like for me right now. The sun's setting at like right seven forty, seven thirty. So, all right, Al Roker. There does there should be a fight club though with with Phil and Scott. What are we gonna fight about? I don't know, but I just want to. I just like hearing Scott go on his rants. It's incredibly <laughs> entertaining. It's just gonna be Scott rambling about. His his discrepancies with so many things and me just agreeing with him. <laughs> I don't know. I've really liked your episode, though. You're very well spoken. Well, thank you, sir. He's I appreciate. Very that. articulate. Articulate. That's. I word. try to be. I try to be. And I do agree when you're talking about with heliderma stuff that it's bullshit that you require a thousand hours to uh, train with Gila monsters. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. So. Mm. Crap. Well, this episode was a very, very wide departure. (laughs) It was good, though. It was. I mean, the end of every podcast has to have some like some bullshit topics. Yeah, I like it. Now Casey has to get an actual turtleneck. I I don't have one. You I should might. get one. You next, should get one. Next episode I come on after after Texas, I will have the full tactical turtleneck on. You should save that for the book club though, to make it very much Oh, I should. I need to read a couple more hurt books. I was reading completely forgot the name of it uh famous african herper from the the 60s and 70s from britain um uh, ash no his name's don nipper reed yeah nipper reed his it was his name was nipper reed okay but no i love reading the old um sylvester stallone yeah i love reading the old herpetology stuff from those days because it's basically like yeah we went into africa and we blasted everything that moves with rat shot and threw them in jars. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Oh, man. <clears throat> and, dude, those, like, the tales of high adventure, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, going out into the jungle with nothing but, you know, a can- canvas and burlap clothing and a machete and just discovering things, you know? Incredible. Getting, getting dysentery and malaria the old-fashioned way. Like men. Tsetse fly sickness. Yeah, you, guys, right? you guys follow that Boston Be a Man account on Instagram? Of course. Be a man. Of course. <laughs> yeah, because you post it all the time. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's hilarious, dude. 
Go in the woods and get malaria and die from it. Be a man. <laughs> Learn that boom slangs are venomous. Be a man. <laughs> <laughs> write, write down the effects as you die. Be a man. Be a man. Oh, God. <laughs> well, gentlemen, is there anything else you guys want to touch base on? No, I don't think so. No, I think it's, it's getting a little late. Yeah. It's time to retire the turtleneck for the evening. Yes, the tactile <laughs> neck. The tactical turtleneck. Uh, this was episode 108 of Snakes and Stogies on the Herpeticulture Network, brought to you by blackboxcages.com and Puget Sound Pythons. Follow both of them on Facebook and Instagram. Check out Puget Sound Pythons on YouTube. Um, Scott did breed Butler Eye, which I'm not familiar with the species. I'm familiar with the genus, but... Not those in particular, but I know that is a species he said he had been trying to to get progeny from for quite some time. So it's a very very cool. Now, if he could just get us some of those imbricata, we might have this whole Australia thing cracked. Uh, five questions with Lucas Lee will be released Wednesday. So check that out. It's going to be here on YouTube. Um, and I upload them to Instagram and Facebook as well. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, more to come with those as well. Venom Exchange Radio. Check it out. Check it out. Episode two's hot off the press. Now release episode three. I have many, many episodes in the pipeline. So, we're gonna. We were trying to do once a month. Stop teasing us. It hurts to do that. Yeah. So, if I can keep getting content, we're gonna try and do two a month. So, we'll keep everyone posted. Yes. Go check new, it out. New Lizard Brain Radio. Uh, Fire Skinks was yeah. the topic of discussion last night, which you can hear the audio that is that is available as well. I was um, trying to watch it on Facebook before this show, so. Yep. Um, we're not having THP this week. We are having Chondrocast this week. Nice. So that is that is back. It's going to be Thomas Budway, James Opdow, Andy Middleton, Jay Chondro, and myself. Um, I need to get an outline together for that still, but it will be a good episode. Um, and then I have another one actually in the works. It hasn't been scheduled yet. But we're gonna get Jeff from North Lane Herp, uh, Herpeticulture, North North Lane Herpetology, um, for a Contracast episode too. So, working on that. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, me and Chris have talked about another Corn Stars episode. We're still trying to schedule that, and you know when you when you have multiple people and things schedules get kind of hard to line up. So yeah, working on it. Yes, sir. But thank you. We will see everyone later. Bye. Say goodbye, Casey. Goodbye. Okay, Casey. Yeah, goodbye, Casey. Mm-hmm.